Welcome to Thinking Ahead, your leading edge insights podcast. Each episode reveals the latest insights on today's consumers and offers a sneak peek of tomorrow's marketplace. Stop guessing what's next and start thinking ahead. Welcome back to another episode of Thinking Ahead, your leading edge insights podcast. Today, we're talking about something super interesting, something that you might not consider in your day-to-day, but we are talking about data silos. What are they? Where do marketers play a role here? How can your organization address them right away? What do we need to do to bridge the gap? So we're going to talk all about that today with Rolf Swinton. So welcome to our episode. Thanks for having me. So let's jump right in. What exactly are data silos for those that might not be aware and where do we find them in organizations? Yeah, so the data silo, first and foremost, any group of data for a specific purpose it, as as a data set, be it, let's say in the case of, of GFK, we have a phenomenal data set called the National Shopper Lab, which is a huge repository of, of loyalty card shopper data, or we have... Um, an incredible data product, the automotive uh, uh, study, which looks at uh, about a half a million people's buy purchase intentions for new automobiles in the in the coming year. Those data sets are, um, by their nature, you know, single robust data sets, um, and they become a data silo if they just sit there and don't connect to anything else. And for many organizations, the fact is you build a data set for a specific purpose, and then it's just left there. Um, It isn't connected to other things because it was paid for by a team for a specific purpose. It delivers on that purpose, but yet often that data has far broader value for an organization if it's connected. The challenge is oftentimes because it has been invested by a team and used for a specific purpose, that can sometimes be it. So that data will sit there unconnected to other data sets and, and really unleveraged in terms of its full potential value for your business. So you have this unleveraged piece of data or data set. How does that pose a threat for marketing specifically? Yeah, so that's a, a really important question. Um, and the threat is one not of urgent, it is going to destroy your business tomorrow kind of threat, but rather it's a threat of, how do you under leverage assets in your business, which really can help you create competitive advantage um, and help generate much better returns on the investments you're making in data? But it really, it, fundamentally, there's a there's a need, and I'm, most every business we talk to has this problem. In fact, we did a, a project with the, uh, the CMO Council where we interviewed hundreds of CMOs and asked them about their needs for data and what were the big challenges they found in their business. And most CMOs in their business, around 61% found that uh, there was a big problem with data silos in their business in terms of their needing real-time data. About um, over 60% of CMOs interviewed had a need for real-time data, but but most of them felt that that was a difficult, difficult thing for them to achieve. There was 92% of marketing leaders felt that having access to customer data was going to give them competitive advantage, but only... 13% 13% of them felt that that data was highly accessible. Why? Because it's sitting in these data silos. Similarly, when it comes to, to looking at uh, the potential of data, where, why, why were they not able to get this real-time data? Well, the fact of the matter is, there were, when we asked them why they couldn't get access to their data, there were three major reasons the CMOs told us. Number one, 
insufficient tools or technology to get to that data. Two, lack of process, lack of data management process to get to that data. Or three, lack of control of that data, the data lying somewhere else. So essentially those three major reasons underpinning this challenge to get to this data are all about having data silos and those data silos not being well managed. So it really is um, a challenge for CMOs to get the tools, the data they need to do what they want to do. It really comes down to the challenge of working with these data silos that get built up without people necessarily being aware or paying attention to them. But it's a, it's a problem and it's a problem that is solvable. So CMOs are finding it challenging to get access to these data sets, but this seems like something that would normally be in the domain of either CIOs or CTOs. So where do CMOs play a role here without, you know, stepping on any toes and, you know, how can they make progress here? Fundamentally, um, there's a, a thing around understanding, forget the technical nature of putting data together. How do you actually connect the pipes and how do you have the technology? There's a far more basic thing in place, which is actually what is in your data? What's there? And are you aware of it? And that really is, I think, falls into the, certainly the world of the CMO to understand as they're building data assets or as they're looking for data within their organization or outside their organization is to understand what's there. But first, let's just think about internally, as any business leader, actually have a full view of the data in your business. I think there's three things that a CMO can make sure are in place in their business. And the first is getting an inventory of your data, call it very simply a data asset inventory. What are all your data assets? Can you understand what they are and have that all in one place so you can look at what's there? And within any given asset, do you have a dictionary of those data assets? Do you have a descriptor of what is in any given data asset? And then have you done a strategic review of those assets? So if you have your asset inventory and you have your data dictionary per data asset, then look across them and what is in those data sets that you may have, which are probably sitting there as data silos. If you're the average business that we've, we've talked to, you need to understand what are higher and lower quality data, how unique is it, how systematic is it, how, what's the span in terms of time and durability? How is it being used? How can it be used? Um, how is it being stored? What are the ethical or legal parameters around that? Those are all important questions. So as a CMO, you don't need any CIO's involvement whatsoever to actually get answers to those questions to figure out what do you have and what can you do with it and how could it be leveraged to your advantage? So what are some of the tools and skills that you think marketers need to make the progress here? So. First and foremost, um, you get your hands around what you have. Then I think there's some like really simple things like one, how do you leverage your teams to create very simple connections to your data? So in this case, the first step may be involving some technologists. For example, if you have a data silo, if you have a data asset that's on its own, how do you start to create more value? How do you connect it to the wider ecosystem? And the single most important step there, this, the first step you could take is building an, an API to your data. Now, just to explain very briefly, an API is not a, just a data feed. An API is short for application programming interface. And what this really means is about how do you create opportunities for creating new processes to integrate with your systems, to automate reporting, to be able to create new interfaces to your data. But again, many data sets do not have any easy access to them. And an API is a really solid first step. And so this might be an opportunity for CMOs and CIOs to integrate, to get an API built, but an API really is a, is a key step in that process. And this is an example, you know, GFK has been through this process too. We have an incredible 
asset uh, known as MRI Simmons. It's the richest data set profiling the U.S. consumer available. And for a long time, that data sat in a very powerful, rich database, but it stood on its own. But over time, the MRI team set about building an MRI, uh, an, an API for the MRI Simmons data set. Now that allows that data set to connect to the much broader marketing data ecosystem and becomes much more valuable and useful to the industry as a whole by doing that. I think that's like one really practical first step that uh, the organizers can take in, in making their data more available to the marketplace, be it in an internal marketplace or an external one. That's awesome. So as we're looking at the data, you know, I want to take it, you know, go in a different direction here. Where does data quality play into this equation? And should organizations address data quality in these various data sets that we're talking about? I think data quality is is has always been you know, imperative. Um, however, with the increased interest in, in using uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence-based technologies, data quality becomes even more apparent and more essential to our practice because the uh, the bias that can exist in data that is not high quality becomes even more significant in terms of its impact. And AI is clearly a really big thing for marketers. Again, in our discussions, we asked you know, how important was AI for marketers. Marketers put this at the top of the list of things for the, to get their hands around, but yet most companies were lagging in terms of the AI maturity curve. Only 3% of uh, CMOs thought that they were leading the way. Another 11% said they were using AI pervasively, but the vast majority thought that they were doing little to no actual work leveraging the AI, leveraging AI technologies. And the, a big barrier for them to really take advantage is going to be about data quality. Unless you are sure about the source of the data, how it's being transformed from raw data through to aggregated process data, whatever, however it's being turned into the final data product as such, unless you understand each and every step, the quality of each and every step that happens along the way, the final results that you feed into AI analysis can be well skewed. And we're seeing that in studies that are being done now where people are finding that their AI results can be flawed. And obviously there's been some very public cases where there's been racial bias seen in results being sped up by AI systems, not because the AI was wrong as such, but rather the data fed into it was not of highest quality, had bias in it, and thus produced biased results. So that's the kind of down, the sort of the, the hazard in having uh, low quality um, or biased data fed into your processes. So, I mean, I think you touched a little bit on this, but, you know, you talked about the role that AI plays, but how can we make sure that we tap into the right insights to feed effective analytics? So I think there's really two, two at least two dimensions to this is, is then we go back, we think about um, the processes we did to, to go about do our asset um, inventory data dictionaries and doing reviews of those data really understanding what is the nature of the data itself, um, how is it being created, how people, data providers are being selected, nature of that data, right through the value chain to final data. Doing that data audit throughout for both your internal assets and third-party assets is critical. And there's also another important dimension to it, which is, I would say, is the sort of the legal and ethical frameworks around the data. For example, what we're seeing increasingly is the importance of ensuring the data you're using is actually was um, that consumers or whoever the source of the data were actually given, giving explicit permission for the uses that you're providing rather than 
it being some sort of implied or indirect potential use case. We think it's really important as a business to make sure that you do have the right legal and ethical parameters around that. You know, for example, do you have clear ownership to a data? Are you transparent about how the data is to be used? Is privacy being safeguarded? Is the intentions about the data application being used? Not, um, it's not being used for some other purpose than was described. And are the outcomes also um, transparent? You're avoiding disparate impacts, i.e. the kind of bias that I was speaking about earlier. Similar things too with ethical boundaries are, are you de-identifying data wherever possible? Are you removing PII or other descriptors that are not essential for the analysis that can ensure that people's data are safeguarded? Can you make sure that each step along the way that you're doing bias checks both in the data and in the analytics that perhaps your AI tools may be using to ensure that your data is truly representative and the results are representative? Um, <clears throat> and ensure that all your partners in the value chain there are also clear in the responsibilities in both the legal and ethical dimensions around protecting your data. So I think those are two of the big areas there that um, I think can help ensure high data quality throughout. That's great. So I think, you know, in this short time, we've covered a pretty complex topic, but I think we've built a pretty good foundation for where data silos might exist and how, you know, organizations can start looking at their own organizations and addressing the problem. So, for someone who's listening today and wants to take that first step to address data silos within their business, what should they do? I think it's really important for people not to be. So first and foremost, it goes back to the basic question that everyone working with data is what questions you need to answer. And there's a framework we we like to apply. There's a, a lesson around what's the job to be done. There's a, some good strategy thinkers that use this question to think about really what is the data you're sending out to get? What are the questions you're sending out to answer? What is the purpose of that answer? How do you use that in your business? And I think if you start there, if you really think about that, rather than what data do you have or what tools do you have, it's really, it's it's an obvious thing, but yet um, the importance of going back to the basics of really what you need to answer is the most important first step. We see this in, 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 in businesses where you can actually, I think now, especially as an opportunity to rethink how you're putting together data to answer questions in ways that even a couple of years ago just wouldn't have been possible now. There's many more interesting ways that you can take data, that you can source data, connect data, and create new ways to answer questions that were possible because it is possible now to take data silos and to break them down, to connect them in new ways, and to synthesize out answers across these different data sets that, that just otherwise wasn't possible. Great. So you know, as people are looking at this within their own business, how can GFK be a partner here to help bridge the gap? GFK's been working this process now for a while. This is a, this is a tough, it is tough to change, as we all know, to change behaviors and change practices. I think GFK has been having to do the process, you know, as, as venture capitals will say, if, you know, this dog eat its own does it eat its dog food? In this case, it does GFK eat its own dog food as we go through this process of really learning how to wrestle, how to break down data silos, how to connect them both internally and with partners, how to create new products in the back of that. And I think that's what we've talked through today in terms of how do you go about doing these data audits, about building a data strategy around evaluating both internal and external data quality. How do you integrate data? How do you build connectivity like APIs? How do you then synthesize these into more robust data products and assess their validity? Those are all things that GFK has built a really strong capacity of doing for our own data products. 
And we're really happy to work with clients to help them go through that same path because uh, there's a learning curve that we've been up and we're really happy to help our clients, you know, move up that as quickly as possible for creating their own data assets or hopefully even we, we you know, love finding ways to collaborate with our clients because we think there's ways for them to unlock more value. And this is something we're doing increasingly with our clients is we're finding new ways to create new kinds of products in collaboration. And so that they can take what may have been a cost center and even turn those into revenue producing opportunities by by leveraging their their own data assets in new ways into the broader ecosystems, ways that are value enhancing and, and don't uh, bring strategic or you know competitive issues up for them. I love that. And now I think this episode will truly help, you know, marketers and others in the organization think about their the data that exists within their company and the silos that might exist. So you have any questions, you can always reach out to Rolf. But thank you for joining us today. That's great. Thanks a lot. All right. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Thinking Ahead. For more information on today's topic, you can click the link in the description. And please make sure to leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you like about the show. And of course, if you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button to keep up to date with the latest insights. We'll see you next time so that you can keep thinking ahead.